This is the MyHeart.net podcast. This show is produced by Dr. Philip Johnson in conjunction with VitalEngine.com. Please welcome your host, Dr. Elaine Bouchard, of cardiology specialist of Birmingham, Alabama, at St. Vincent's Medical Center, part of Ascension. Welcome to our podcast on health and healthcare disparities. Um, our special guest today is Dr. Randy Granada, who is Vice President of Population Health at Ascension. And uh, she's um, a nurse with a doctorate degree in community health population. Dr. Granada, thank you for participating in this podcast today. As physicians and, and healthcare workers, um, we notice a lot of difference in the quality of health that are often linked to a social, economic, or environmental disadvantages. And uh, for this reason today, we wanted to invite Dr. Granada to discuss what are health and healthcare disparities. Well, thank you for allowing me to be here today. And before we start speaking about disparities, I think it's important for us to bring up uh, really the concept of, of what health disparities connects to, which is inequities. And um, for that reason, I just want to speak a little bit about what that means. You touched on the fact that uh, this relates to people or, or populations that are disadvantaged. disadvantaged. Um, but I'd like to even... Um, reference, there's a few definitions around around disparities. Uh, When we think about um, the Department of Health and Human Services and the way they view disparities, um, they consider population-specific differences when we look at uh, the presence of disease, of health outcomes, and even access to care. Um, The CDC looks at things even a little more broadly and then again connects um, the concepts of health equity and health disparities. Uh, Health equity is is when all of us have an equal opportunity to attain our our full health potential, right? So so no one is really disadvantaged from from having access because of a social position or some um, socially determined um, circumstance. And uh, the disparities um, occur when when there's actually differences uh, among groups of people. Um, to, to kind of elaborate, the issue is, is really complex because we know that there's, there's obstacles that stem generations, they're um, embedded in our communities, in our infrastructures, um, in our schools. Um, so it's, it's critical if we're going to achieve health equity and eliminate disparities that we really look at this from, from a very holistic community health um, perspective. And there's different types of disparities. We, we first think of, of uh, disparities, what naturally comes to mind for me would be um, race and, and ethnicity dimensions, but there's, there's more, more uh, dimensions that would include socioeconomic status, age, um, language, uh, disability status, um, whether someone's a citizen or not, uh, and also even sexual orientation. All of these uh, Groups or disadvantages can can uh, actually drive disparities in health outcomes within our communities. Yeah, exactly. We have also issues of education, uh, disability, and and um, geographic location. Uh, whether you're in a rural um, 
area or whether you're you know in the in a city environment uh but uh, not quite in a very good neighborhood can really influence uh, how your health and um your healthcare uh, will be uh, processed or or perceived and um and that will affect also outcome um on that rate um what why does it matter you know these health disparities well it matters for a number of reasons um first of all we have to recognize that uh you know there's there's that moral compass right <laughs> we need to ensure that that all of us have the ability to achieve um, health equity but it also should enlighten us and 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 tell us how we should do a better job with integrating services and also reaching uh, populations that uh, that may be in need of services. Uh, you know, you touched on uh, location and geography, and I think it's fascinating that you know we've reached a point in time now. Um, not it's certainly not a good thing, but you can look at zip codes, and we can look at ge- geography. And there's a correlation in, in some ways to predict um, health outcomes, chronic disease, and even life expectancy. So why that matters is that that really should be providing some insight into our infrastructure, again, the way we even do planning at the, uh, at the community level uh, beyond, beyond our healthcare world. It's also interesting to, um, to see that the, the, the minorities that we have now um, will probably become the majority, you know, in about 25 to 30 years. So I guess, you know, the minorities that we're considering now, um, taking care of them will influence the future of healthcare. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, yeah, the, the, the most recent U.S. Census report actually called that out and, and spoke to the fact that the greatest growth um, um, greater than 90% of the U.S. population growth between 2010 and 2018 was in the area of minorities. So it's, it's, it's important that, that we as health systems and as communities recognize as, that we need to embrace one another and design care in a way that's going to achieve that, that equity. So um, what is the, um, the current status of, of disparities at the present time? Sure. Well, um, I mentioned we have disparities in a number of groups um, I think I'll, I'll touch on, on just some of the, the disparities that seem very um, apparent today, uh, particularly even in light of, of, of COVID. Um, I recently looked at, um, we, we, all hear, we all listen to the news, right? And we all hear that we know that the African-American population has been um, significantly impacted far more than other uh, groups of people and we consider covid We also know about the connection to heart disease and comorbidities uh, such as diabetes and and how that impacts outcomes. Um, But what was really um, enlightening was looking at uh, uh, someone referenced and said, if we looked at all minority groups and in light of COVID, and if they died at the same rate as as, uh, Caucasians, we we would have actually had 13,000 less African-American deaths. 1,300 less Latino Americans and 300 Asian Americans would still be alive today. Um, that was pretty powerful and, and, and really called out the fact that COVID has just magnified uh, disparities that exist. And of course, um, there's, there's different um, disease, um, there's different prevalence among different groups uh, when you consider 
the American Indian population. We know that there's, there's efforts happening in tribal health to correct for uh, disparities. So the current state, we know that um, 30% of, of American Indians live in poverty. Of course, that's, that's interconnected, right, with, with health outcomes. Um, when we consider also um, our Hispanic population, we have, um, there's evidence of poor oral hygiene, dental health. Um, we have higher rates of, of diabetes as well. Uh, and when we think about geographical um, disparities, um, back, back to that area, you know, we live in the stroke belt, right? So we know, again, there's overlap when you consider different racial um, populations and demographic data. And we know that it's impacting disproportionately African-Americans in the stroke belt. Oh, interesting. I was, um, I was, we were looking at um, higher rates of chronic disease and premature death mm-hmm. in our minorities. Interestingly, I was reading at some point that the uh, Hispanic immigrants have uh, better health outcomes than white. And this immigrant paradox appear to diminish with time spent in the United States. Uh, really kind of interesting um, to see how uh, the, the socioeconomic as well as environmental factors affect you know, your health. Um, sure. Obviously, there's all the field of HIV, uh, where the magnitude of African-American and white disparity uh, in, in AIDS, diagnosis and mortality has just grown substantially over time. And and keeps growing, uh, something that we're not very familiar as cardiologists, but also uh, infant mortality, very much related to disparity. Uh, more in what concerns us and, and our patient is the problem of obesity, um, having, for example, the Hispanic children and adolescents age 2 to 19 had the highest prevalence of obesity in the United States at almost 22% with Asians having the lowest at 8.6%. Mexican-Americans suffer disproportionately from diabetes and very much you know, related to this obesity problem. Um, obviously, we're in the field of, of heart, heart disease, uh, having uh, African-Americans were 30% more likely than whites to die prematurely from heart disease. This was in 2010. And I don't think it's improved, you know, very much since that time. African-American men were twice as likely as white to die prematurely from stroke, as you mentioned, you know, earlier. And if we look at all the age-standardized cardiovascular death over the last 15 years, uh, obviously there's, among all the groups, there's a trend for decrease in mortality. However, African-American or Blacks remain the highest mortality group, followed by white, and then followed by um, Hispanic, American Indian, and then Asian or Pacific Islanders. So th- those, those, um, those, this, those patient population um, really, uh, and then minorities, uh, really affect the outcome in our health research. And, and what are, what can we do? What are key initiatives that are being uh, taken to address the disparities? Sure. 
what comes to mind, I'll, I'll first begin since you just mentioned all of those um, really powerful statistics around higher um, incidence of, of disease among certain, certain at-risk groups. Uh, what comes to mind is really screenings, right? And the importance for us to make sure that, that the ability to screen for um, disease states uh, is accessible and affordable to, to those uh, individuals and communities who uh, may be at risk. Um, when I think about even the African-American population, cancer is, is uh, uh, also what comes to mind, even for, for uh, individuals who are insured. Uh, we see that uh, cancer is diagnosed later when it's more progressive and the outcomes are poorer and the mortality is, is higher. Um, but I, I, what I would really like to, to uh, call out is, is really the connection to social determinants of health and I know that that has been um, kind of a buzz phrase in the last few years. Um, and, and to go a little bit deeper here, if, if, if we're going to impact disparities in health equity, we need to understand um, what those levers are, right, within our communities and recognize that there are some things that we can influence and that communities can also become empowered to influence. Um, one of the things that comes to mind is access to um, healthy foods. When you consider just about every comp chronic condition, we know that it's linked to, to healthy food and, and healthy water, right? Uh, we have food deserts within uh, our country. We have hundreds of communities with food deserts, including in, in our state of Alabama. And what that means is it's uh, where at least a third of the community uh, does not have a uh, healthy options for, for food within a reasonable distance. Uh, so it doesn't mean that there's a lack of food. It's usually fast food. Uh, and because of this, we see uh, increased incidence of disease. Uh, when healthy food is available, it's, it's not affordable for certain populations. So again, it's, it's about how we um, can help empower communities to to bring those resources and, and start to eliminate uh, food deserts across our, our state and our country. Other things we can do is um, partner with community agencies and also recognize that we need an interdisciplinary care team. And I think most of us are doing this today. That means that we may have social workers, care managers, um, mental health workers uh, working within our, whether it be practices and even at the community level, to help advocate for patients and get them the resources that they need. Um, oftentimes, even when patients have access to care, they cannot afford their co-pays or even afford the medications that are prescribed. So it's, it's so important that we, we as a community um, recognize that, that the social determinants really drive those health outcomes for, for the people that we're serving. One of the goal of the Ascension is to eliminate health healthcare disparities mm -hmm. by 2022. Um, you think this is doable? Well, I I am certainly uh, that's why why I come to work every day. Being part of an organization that has a goal uh, that that um, that big, and and I'd like to believe that we can. It's going to take some intentional work, and I believe Ascension's on the right track. Uh, and, and we also challenge ourselves to really look at, at our data to be sure that we are using those, those um, metrics and those ways of really uh, challenging ourselves to, to ask, are we reaching uh, 
the population to truly eliminate health disparities and achieve health equity. Um, you know, our mission statement is is all about um, caring for the poor and vulnerable. So uh, the more we can challenge each other to, to live out our culture every day and our mission, the closer we're going to get to that goal. But it's going to take some intentional work. I believe it is happening. Uh, but again, there's, there's um, complexities within our communities, such as unemployment, right? There's... Um, there's COVID, right? We've had a pandemic that has just exacerbated some of those economic challenges that existed pre-COVID. Um, but I, I would, I would like to believe we're going to get there. But um, it's, it's going to take um, all of us working together. I really like, um, even though it can be a little tedious process, but you know, with the freezer pad patient coming to your mm-hmm. office, answering all this data. But this is actually very, very important to really, I think we have some gaps in the data that, you know, things that we need to measure, to evaluate, to analyze. So we can really um, be um, more appropriate in, in the care of certain patient population and, you know, and probably answer the need better to some of these patients. The um, Certainly this, this situation with COVID did not help with um, uh, having a, a group of uh, patients at risk of losing their insurance, uh, losing their job, you know, for, you know, the, the social economic, you know, status is just kind of worse. And, and certainly it has creates even more difficulties and, and more need, I think, for pulling together. Uh, but I think if we just kind of strive to a, a quality, you know, care and, and, and measuring a quality measurement and reassessing, um, what are what other current challenges do you see in addressing disparities? Sure, great question. Well, I think some of our our challenges um, relates to um, engagement with our community, uh, especially COVID. When we're considered the social distancing, we have to get more creative with doing outreach to our community and and recognize that the chronic disease problems did not go away. Uh, during COVID, right? If anything, we have uh, delayed care. So there's there's a need for doing even more intentional um, outreach. Uh, I know that um, I can just speak from within our health system. We have a an outreach team uh, that includes a social worker, a nurse, and lay, lay navigators um, who some are bilingual, and uh, we are doing intentional outreach to make sure that um, people have the medications that they need, that they're seeing their primary care doctor. And when they can't, we're doing our best to have a virtual visit, including leveraging the use of uh, nurse practitioners. Um, And again, finding ways that uh, people are really just comfortable relating to their healthcare team, not waiting for that crisis when they are showing up in the emergency department and it's much more difficult to, uh, to treat the patient. Um, So I think, again, COVID is just, there's some great things that have come out of COVID, again, as I I mentioned, and that's, I can't imagine five years ago that we would have had our outreach team communicating in the way we are today with an underserved population using technology and and basic tools such as smartphones. President and and CEO of Ascension, uh, Joe Impichike, um, really has a great motive, saying that healthcare that works healthcare that is safe and wanting to leave no one behind. Mm-hmm. Certainly as a healthcare worker, whether you're a nurse or, or a physician, 
we want not only what's best for our patient, but to do everything we can and, uh, you know, in our powers to provide care for these patients. And uh, this is where I think it really becomes very important to work as a team. It sure does. And when we are redesigning care, consistently putting that lens on and looking at it from the eyes of our patients at all levels and in and, and different communities and understanding barriers and, and when possible, uh, including uh, those, those participants um, at the community level and when we start to redesign care. That's, that's been a part of what we have been intentional about, but I think we can always do better in that area. Whether you work at, the, at a mm-hmm. hospital, uh, uh, within a university, or, or within mm-hmm. a large healthcare community, or whether you're a rural hospital, I think this has become a system-wide priority. Um, and obviously demands a lot of infrastructure development, uh, which, you know, I believe it's one of the goal, certainly at Ascension, as well as cultural transformation to really provide a kind of compassionate and personalized care that needs to be done for our patients. Again, thank you very much for being part of this podcast. We appreciate it. I think um, we have learned a lot today. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. To learn more from our team of cardiologists, please visit us at myheart.net. You can also follow us on social media by searching myheart.net on Facebook and Twitter. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss our next episode.